Well, welcome today. Uh, you know, I love hearing Pyle talk. I don't think I've ever heard anybody connect giving to raccoons. Uh, John has such a creative mind. <laughs> That's phenomenal. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, you know, this year, August 24th, uh, 2019, Hurricane Dorian struck the Bahamas with winds sustained at 183 miles per hour. It's the most devastating hurricane to ever go through there. And one of my daughters has joined uh, a disaster and relief team with Samaritan's Purse on the island of Abaco. She's working in a makeshift hospital there. And the first day that she arrived, she took care of this older woman who, uh, as they were talking, she learned from her story that this lady's husband had died earlier in the year from a heart attack. Now try to imagine that. Here she is going through one of the worst natural disasters maybe in her life on the, you know, in the Bahamas and her husband's not there to go through it with her. And so as Sevi was taking care of her, she asked my daughter, she said, is nursing your passion? And she said, yes. And then Sevi asked this lady, what is your passion? And she said, my passion is to make people smile. You know, it's amazing if you think about it. Here is a woman who, if there was ever a person who had a right in their life to be kind of self-absorbed and self-centered and self-focused and maybe just plain old selfish, it would be this woman. And yet, she has learned how to take her pain and turn her pain into the passion and purpose of her life. How can you and I, People who have experienced pain, how can we turn the pain of our past into our passion and our purpose for our lives? Some of us are wondering that very thing because our lives are full of pain. Maybe your relationships are unraveling or your job and your finances are just under stress all the time. Maybe your family is struggling. Life just isn't working for you. And because it's not working for you, to be quite honest, it occasionally crosses your mind that your, un, your, your future is kind of uncertain. Some of us, of course, we don't appear to have any problems on the outside and yet inwardly, our lives are full of pain that we're hiding. We're not about to let anyone else know about it. And maybe the hardest part of all of this is that for most of us, we don't know how our lives got to be this way. And we do not know how to get them moving. As we said last week, for many of us, our life is like that little Rubik's Cube. We manipulate it, trying to see if we can make something work, but it's not working. We're stuck and we're tired of it. And y'all, that is why we are doing this series for three weeks called Unstuck. Now, the big idea generally that we're using is, is that your life is a story. And if you can understand how story works, you can understand how your own life works. And to help us with this, we're using a diagram called Freytag's Pyramid, or the Narrative Arc, that was developed in 1863 by a German playwright named Gustav Freytag. It's based on 2,300 years of thinking by Aristotle and Homer about how story works. This diagram represents the science of story. And Freytag's Pyramid teaches us three things about how life works in general. First of all, 
If we start here and we're born here into our families, the goal isn't to stay here. The goal is to get up here to a new equilibrium where you and I live as mature, new people. And in order for us to get there, that means our life actually has to move. So for your life to work, it has to move. And if you're stuck, you understand this because you know your life isn't working. The second thing Freytag's Pyramid teaches us is that even though we begin here, because the goal is to get to this new equilibrium, you can see the difference in those two. And the difference represents the growth in your life. Your life story is about your own growth. And if you're not growing, your life's not working. The growth that we're talking about in this series, we're calling it becoming a hero. A hero is a person who grows to reach their full potential and then uses their potential for the benefit of others. But you'll notice the third thing that the pyramid teaches us. In order for us to grow, look what we have to actually go through. We have to go through tension and conflict. And that means you're going to struggle. And it means that you might even suffer some. And that is because an inciting incident that happens to every one of us in our life causes us pain. And none of us, we all share something in common, none of us likes pain. And so like we said last week, we do everything we can to avoid this pain. And it is the avoidance of necessary pain in our lives that has us messed up. And the reason this pain messes us up is because pain usually makes us selfish. So today we want to talk about how you and I can get over our pain. You know, my inciting incident certainly made me selfish. Um, in preparation for this talk, Linda and I, my wife, we were sitting on the couch in the living room one day, and I just asked her, I said, hey, honey, you know, just tell me some of the ways that you remember, you know, your own experience in our married life, just some of the ways you remember me being selfish. Oh man, was that the wrong question to ask? You know, I, I thought I was over all of that. Just let me say, Linda had no trouble making a list, okay? The list got pretty long. Finally, I just had to reel her back in. I said, look, you can own, only the ones that I can tell from the stage, you know? And there weren't any. They're so embarrassing. And I think that's kind of true for all of us. All of us, aren't we a little bit selfish? Like, for instance, when you and a colleague go out to eat, and you make way more than they do. And by the way, everybody knows that, right? Whenever you go out to eat with somebody that you work with, they all know who makes the most money. And let's just say you make the most money, but you suggest, hey, let's just go Dutch. What? <laughs> they know that you're a miser. You're selfish. Or what about whenever you borrow somebody's stuff? You need something, you don't have it, you don't want to lay all the money down to buy that. So you ask this friend who has everything. And you use their stuff, but then you don't return it in the way you got it. And when you do that, they know you don't care. You're, you're selfish. Or what about this one? Everybody's done this one. There's that person, you know, you really don't like people, so you kind of avoid people a lot. 
But there's times when you actually need someone, right? And so you never have anything to do with this person, but now, you know, your arms around them, dude, hadn't seen you in a long time. And, and you use them as you're nice as long as you get what you need. And then when you've gotten what you need, boom, you dump them again. You're selfish. You really aren't that interested in them. Y'all, nothing good, isn't it true? Nothing good comes from being selfish. Selfishness makes you and me angry. It makes us ugly. It makes us hard to live with. And I am pretty certain that none of us actually wants to be this way. So today we're going to answer this question. How can you and I move? How can we move from selfishness to grow into the hero of our lives because that's what our story is all about. How can you and I be a hero like the lady in the Bahamas? Well, to help us answer that question, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter. It's called the Book of Galatians in the New Testament. He wrote it to these believers because these guys were becoming increasingly selfish in their relationship with each other. At one point, he said, look, if you keep biting and devouring one another, you're going to destroy each other. I mean, they were selfish. They were hard with each other. And so I want you to look at one of the things Paul said to him. He said, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Now, Paul's larger point here is that the goal, the goal for those of us who are Christ followers is to live a life of love. And the reason that is our goal is because Jesus himself lived a life of love. Let me show you what Paul said. In a different place, he wrote, be imitators of God and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Now, the highlighted phrase here on our screen shows us, it explains to us what a life of love looks like. And the key to understanding what a life of love looks like is actually this little word and right here. This word and in the Greek language is the word chi. And normally and is just a conjunction and it does things, you and I use it all the time. I'm holding my phone and my keys, right? It's just a simple conjunction that joins two things together. But there are times whenever the two things that are joined together are actually the equivalent of each other. And when they are the equivalent, Greek grammarians call this the ascensive use of chi. And you cannot leave the building today if you cannot say that. So I hope you were paying attention because I don't feel any need to repeat it again. It's the ascensive use of chi. There it was a second time. And that means when you have the ascensive use of chi, you can actually cross out the and and put an equal sign there so that the two things mean the same thing. And that's what we have in this passage. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us equals gave himself up for us. So if we know what gave himself up refers to, then we can understand what love looks like. And the phrase gave himself up is the Greek word paradidomi. It's two words, para and didomi. Para means over, didomi means give. It means to give over. Well, where did Jesus give himself over? He did that on the cross. 
On the cross, Jesus gave himself over. On the cross, he gave himself up. On the cross, he gave his life away. Which means that for you and me to love, like Jesus did, means that it is ours to give our life away for the benefit of others. Do you see it? That's what heroes do. And if you and I are going to follow Jesus, since he was the ultimate hero, that's what we are trying to do. That's how we are trying to live. But to live that way, we got to get unstuck. And the only way for that to happen is you and I have to turn the pain of our past that came from our inciting incident. We actually have to turn that pain into love because that is how we become a hero. So how do we turn our pain into love? Well, there's a lot to it, but I want to give you just a simple, uh, you know, something that might help you. Whenever you feel the pain of your past, instead of letting it take you to your worst ways, let it trigger acts of selfless love. Let it trigger acts of selfless, not love, not selfish acts. And these are not, these don't have to be huge things, right? It could be something as simple as uh, send a text to someone to encourage them because you know they need encouragement right now. Think about them. Or maybe take a colleague out for a coffee and, and just let them talk and actually engage them and listen to them. Or maybe it's to cook your spouse like that special meal or if you're not a cook, take them out to eat and just show them that you love them, that you care about them. Or with your kids, get up. When you feel the pain of your past, get up from what you're doing. Quit watching TV. Take your kids down to the park and you guys play at the playground together. Or call your mom and dad up and say, hey y'all, what needs fixing around here? And they're wondering, why are you calling me? You're have to tell them because I'm feeling the pain of my past. You don't have to say all of that, right? But you're feeling the pain of your past, so call mom and dad and ask them how you can help. This is how you and I turn the pain of our past into love. This is how the lady in the Bahamas is living. Every time she makes someone smile, she's turning the pain of her past into love, and she's becoming a hero. Y'all, that is how you and I get unstuck. But to love like this, there are two steps we have to take before we can get to that kind of love, all right? If there weren't, you'd already be there. So would I. We're not always all there yet. So there are two steps we have to take that are prerequisites. And I want to spend the rest of our time talking about these two steps. The first one is to live a life of selfless, heroic love begins with faith. Now, I want to take you back to the initial Bible verse that we used. Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that counts is what? Faith expressing itself in love. Love is rooted in faith. It doesn't come from nowhere. Love, Paul says, begins with faith. It's rooted in faith. And the faith that Paul had in mind when he penned these words was faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, trusting him for eternal life. So that if you believe that Jesus is the Savior and you have received him as your Savior, you are putting your faith in him for eternal life. Paul is now asking the Galatian Christians and you and me, he's asking us 
to take that same faith that we have for eternal life and now trust Jesus for this life. Oh. Seems pretty easy to trust him for eternal life. How do I trust him for this life? And so that becomes the first big question I want to ask you. Can you trust him for this life? If you believe he can give you eternal life, do you believe that he can give you the life you're supposed to have here? Can you trust him with your pain? I worked with a guy, I'm going to call him C, he's a friend of mine, and he grew up in a house full of pain. In fact, there was so much pain that eventually at one point his dad just left. His dad just had enough of it. And when his dad left, his mom really kind of melt, had a meltdown. And, um, and just a couple of things happened. One thing that happened is, is his mom just quit taking care of things that she would just normally take care of. And the house became filthy. See, told me that as a young boy, you know, at times he, there wasn't a lot of order or structure in their house. And after his dad left, he, he'd be asleep on the floor, maybe just fell asleep on the floor and he'd wake up in the, the next morning and there'd be dog poop right there in front of his face. He said, we never did anything on the kitchen counters. There was cat feces everywhere. His mom just had a meltdown. There was another time whenever his mom also became pretty depressed and she became pretty angry and in a fit of rage, when C was just five years old, he, she just hauled off and punched him in the back. It was his inciting incident. What kind of mom does that? You can imagine what that did to C. And yet a few weeks after he told me these stories, he came in, we were still working on his story. He came in and one of the first words out of his mouth, he said, Witty, I've been doing my homework. And Witty, my inciting incident had to happen to me. And I just got this big smile on my face because that is a statement of faith. See, realize that the, the actions that had hurt him and caused him pain, he got to the place where he could actually say they had to happen for me to become the person that I am supposed to be. It was a statement of faith on C's part and it allowed him to embrace his pain and actually embrace his mom instead of resenting her like he had done for a couple of decades. Wow. You see, uh, C is a, is a loving. I mean, he's just a loving, generous, helpful guy. If you met him, he's insightful. And he is all those things, not because he grew up in a great place, but because he has allowed God to redeem the pain of his life when he trusted it to him. And so I need to ask you a huge question. This is the first step. Can you trust God? with the pain of your inciting incident. And y'all, I know, for some of you, your inciting incidents were horrible. And they've created pain for you for a long time. Can you trust him with that? Are you capable, able to do that? If you can't, you can't. But if you can't, you can't take the next step. You can never love if you can't trust. The other way I wanna ask that question is will you? Maybe you can trust him, but you've chosen not to trust him. Faith is an act of the will. It is a choice to believe. Will you entrust the pain of your past 
to an all-knowing, all-powerful, benevolent, loving, heavenly father that wants you to reach up to your full potential. Will you do that? You know, that, is, that can be hard. It can be a struggle. Some of you have experienced tremendous levels of pain from your past. And it's hard to get over it. But this is the first step. And if you take the step of faith, then you can take the second step, which is this. To live a life of selfless love, you're going to have to forgive. And forgiveness can be hard. Because another person did that to you. And when they, when they wronged you in your inciting incident, that red mark on the graph, when they did that to you, what they did was wrong. You know, I, I think about a, a guy that I work with. I'll call him A. A um, grew up as a young boy. He just always wanted to be with his dad. And he never got the chance to be around him because usually his dad had a drinking problem and he was just never there. But A told me, he said, I always wanted to be with my dad. And so there would be times whenever his dad would promise, you know, hey, I'm gonna come by and I'm gonna see you. And A would get so excited, he'd wait out on the front steps of their little house for his dad to come by. And of course, his dad wouldn't show up because he was usually off drinking somewhere. He said there was another time that his dad took him to Nyayosa. And he was just so excited. It's like, yeah, I'm going to spend the day with dad and we're going to watch the parades. We're going to have a great time. And he said, we watched the parades for about 20 minutes and then dad made a beeline for the closest bar. And I sat on the bar stool and the rest of the day, dad just got drunk. And A realized that his dad actually loved alcohol more than he loved him. And it hurt. And when we feel that kind of hurt, the sense of being unloved, unwanted, unaccepted, it can make it very difficult for us to forgive the person who hurt us. But today, y'all, I'm gonna ask you to forgive. It's hard to forgive, but I'm gonna ask you to do it because if you and I don't forgive, I wanna show you what actually happens to us when we don't forgive. When you experienced your inciting incident, that red mark on Freytag's pyramid, when that happened to you, probably as a young child, this harness of pain attached to your pain was either put on you or you put it on yourself just like I did just now. Either you put it on you or someone else put it on you. And this harness stays on you and me 24-7, and it affects everything we do. I mean, imagine living your life with one of these on. It affects everything we do. So you go to work, and you wonder, like, why am I not, you know, why is my output at work not very good? And your boss is maybe, or your supervisor, isn't this awesome? I can just lean here and do <laughs> This is cool. I've never preached at this angle before. <laughs> And so you're, they're wondering, like, why isn't, you know, why isn't Witty putting anything out? Why is not, we think he's got more potential than that. But you can't live up to your potential at work. And the reason you can't live up to it is that you're, you're distracted, right? You're distracted by the pain of your past. And so the reason you're doing other things at work, you're talking to other people when you shouldn't really be talking to them, you ought to be working, or you're on Facebook, or you're shopping online when you really ought to be doing your job, is because you're trying to alleviate your pain. 
And so you never live up to your potential at work. You never get the promotion. You're always looked over because your pain is still harnessed to you. And this affects everything you do. Or imagine maybe you find yourself alone and you just wish you could get into a relationship. But every time you try to get into a relationship, it never works out for you. Any idea why it might not be working out? Could be this, right? You're trying to go with that other person, but you can't keep up with them. Or they just don't want, they don't want to mess with this. And so they leave. And so the pain of our past kind of undercuts our relationships. Or, or maybe you're, uh, you're wondering, like, why do I shop so much? You know, why, why am I overspending? You're, you're spending stuff to try to get this thing to be lighter, No matter how much you buy, this thing is never going to levitate. You understand that? It's never going to happen. You cannot spend enough to make this thing levitate. If it does, it just goes up and boom, right back down. And then you and I get in debt and we trip all over our debt and we wonder why we don't have any money. It's because we're attached to the pain of our past. Or maybe you're here at church and somebody says, hey, volunteer for us to do this. Hey, give some extra cash to help the kids in in Liberia, right? And, And you want to do that kind of thing, but you can't do it because you're too exhausted to volunteer and you don't have any money to give because you're over your head in debt. It's because of the pain in our past. Imagine, y'all, just imagine. You can't miss it. Imagine what you could do if you weren't dragging this thing around. And if that's not enough, let me remind you, this thing is attached to you when you're naked. Now, I want to see if this service is more mature than the last service. They didn't get what I was saying for a long time. Finally, one lady right over here laughed out loud. And then everybody got it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Good. Thank you. Because we think about that a lot. And it's with you when you're naked. You can't help it. You can't even take a shower without getting into this. You can't get into bed naked without it. It's with you all the time. That's not how we want to live, is it? So we ought to drop it. That's why the Apostle Paul said what he did about forgiveness. Look at what he said. He said, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and what? Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as who forgave you? The Lord forgave you. And against and, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Do you see it? Until you and I forgive the pain of our past and the person who caused it, we can never become people of love. That means we can never reach our full potential. We can never live for the benefit of others. We can never follow Jesus. You and I cannot be a hero apart from taking the second step of forgiveness. And forgiveness is, what, what, is how we drop the harness. When you and I choose to forgive, we drop it and we let the pain of our past go so that we can go. I have a friend who refuses to do this. 
about 30 years ago, her husband uh, really hurt her in a pretty despicable way. He, he cheated on her in some of the worst ways that a husband could possibly cheat on his wife. And she didn't even know it was happening. And later found out. And it hurt her deeply. And y'all, there's not a day goes by that she doesn't think about that. And she remembers it and it affects her. In recent years, her husband, her former husband, has actually reached out to her to try to reestablish some kind of relationship with her. He's remarried, but he's just trying to establish some kind of relationship with her. And she categorically refuses to let that happen. She refuses to forgive what he did to her. And on top of that, she feels pretty justified for what she's doing. And I get it. I really do understand it because what he did was horrible. I hate the fact that he did that to her. But it's negatively affecting her. It's costing her. You see, my friend is living all alone. All alone. And she has for a long time. Her life is such a wreck. Nobody can live with her. And not only that, but um, she, she has incredible potential. She's struggling to cope, but this, this friend, she has incredible potential. I remember working with her 30 years ago when this was happening. She is so smart. She thought of stuff that none of us even knew was on the map. And she came up with this before any of us knew about it and researched it and informed us about all of it. I've watched my friend. She has a tremendous capacity to serve others and love other people and help other people. But she's not doing any of that. No one is benefiting from my friend's potential. And the reason is because she refuses to let the past go so that she can go. When we refuse to forgive, we stay stuck. And so today, I'm asking you to drop the harness. I'm asking you to take the step of faith, to believe that God can actually turn your pain into your purpose. And I'm asking you to forgive just like he forgave us. Now, I know that some of you are struggling with this. I get it. And so what I want to do is I want us to end our time together with uh, a moment, just a pastoral moment. And uh, the lights are going to darken. And we just want to have a personal moment. I want to pray with you. And here's how I want to do that. I'm I'm, in just a moment, I'm going to ask those of you who are struggling with faith over the pain of your past, you're having a hard time understanding or believing that anything good could come from it. Or maybe you just can't forgive. As I've been talking this, today, you've seen the face of that person who harmed you. And you're having a hard time forgiving them. But you want to. You want to f- trust God with the pain of your past. And you want to forgive that person. And just a second here, I'm going to ask those of you who are ready to do that. I'm going to ask you to stand. But in order to give everyone as much privacy as we can, I want to ask everyone in the auditorium to just bow your, your head and eyes. Just close your eyes, not for your sake, but for the sake of those around you so that people will feel free. And if you're ready to do this, you say, John, I want to forgive. I want to move on past this. I don't want to stay connected to this thing. I want to go on. Then right now, 
I want to ask you just to stand where you are. And then I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. If you want to have faith or you want to forgive, just stand right now. Stand right where you are. First thing I want to say to those of you standing is I want you to know I'm sorry for what happened to you. This is not how life was supposed to happen. It's not what God intended or designed. So I'm sorry for your pain and the way that it has affected you. But I want you to know that when Jesus came and he got on the cross, he gave himself over. It was a painful event. It was physically painful. It was very emotionally painful for Jesus. He became sin for us, and his father actually separated from him over it. It's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was painful. And when Jesus did that, he, say, he said to you and me, I want to walk the path of your pain with you. And that's how he shows you love. And earlier, John asked you, do you believe in the love of God? And you said overwhelmingly, yes, we do. Well, guess what? Now I'm asking you to believe in his love, even in this moment of pain. And so if you're ready to believe and you're ready to forgive, then I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who does love us and you've proven that by coming and getting involved in our pain. And so Lord, I pray, especially for those standing, but for all of us, I pray that we would get to the place that my friend C got to where he could say, I understand now it had to happen to me. And Lord, I pray that we could actually embrace those events that were hard and trust you with them. And then Lord, for those of us who do that, I pray that you would enable us to just forgive. And I, I know that doesn't mean all the pain's gonna go away, but I pray that we would choose to forgive that person and drop the harness so that we can reach our full potential and live like Jesus as a hero for the benefit of others. And so, Lord, we pray that you would enable that to happen in us and that your spirit would work in us to cause it to happen. Now, I want to ask everyone, if you didn't stand, I want to ask everyone to stand right now. Everyone stand right now. And as you stand, all those chairs making that sound, is our way of saying it takes a community, it takes a body, it takes a lot of people to help us heal from love and find freedom together. And that's what we're all doing, is we're going to do this together. And so, Lord, we pray this together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.